Some days are terrible. You wish that you were dead, and some days are magical, like grape banana bread. Someday we'll be friends with the voices in our heads. The voices in our heads. Hello. Oh man, what a time, huh? Congrats on not killing yourself. Welcome to the voices in our heads. My name is Christina Hutchinson, and your name is Daryl, or whatever it is. But I'm glad you're here. Honored to be the voice in your head. I'm going to start off today's episode with an impression of the voices in my head. Whenever I walk into a grocery store or a drugstore and there's holiday music playing, which is 100% of the time that I walk into those establishments, this is my inner voice. Have a holly jot. Christmas tree. No. Rudolph the red nosed no. reindeer. Solid night. No. These Christmas shoes. No. Just can we skip it? We're not doing the stuff. Oh my God! Just skip it. Skip the holiday music. I, we're not going to. I'm. I'm. I'm yelling into the ether with that one. But I'm just like, all right, because your girls, she's been sad today, the last two days. And I was like, you know what? Feel it, girl. Be sad. It's okay. You could be sad. Perfect preparation for Feel Your Feelings January. (laughs) I'm sad because, um, well, I'm happy and sad. It's weird. I don't know which one wins. But maybe I can just be both and accept this, like, gray area. Um... But Christmas is my mom's birthday, Christmas Day. And so that's, you know, thinking about her. I haven't talked to them at all yet. And I have it in my head that I want to write a letter. And I actually know what I want to say in that letter. And I'm going to send that letter it's, uh, soon. I will, though. But, yeah, it's weird to not have be with my parents. And um, I'm going to see my, my brother and my nephew. I'm driving to PA with Kevin. And we're going to go hang out. And I brought my nephew, Brantley, so many Christmas presents. This Yo, you know what the best store for kids and adults is? This store called Camp. C-A-M-P. Camp. Because that's how you spell camp. First of all, I don't know if these stores are anywhere other than New York City. But holy moly. are the, They have slides in the store. The one on Fifth Avenue, there's a secret room behind a goddamn bookcase and it takes you to this back room that's even bigger than the front room, which is pretty big. And there's so many educational things for kids there. But there's also a lot of cool shit for adults. I'm like, this is the best store ever. Why can't we have a store that's for adults with a slide in it? It's like, oh, we grow up, we don't want to have fun? Is that what you think? No. Well, apparently it is because none of my adult stores got slides. Does Anthropology have a slide? N-O. No. How about West Elm? Does that have a slide? No means no. All right. Well, relax. I'm just saying. Put some slides in some adult stores. Ooh, ooh, I have an idea for a Christmas present for you if you need to buy something for somebody and you're like, shit, I didn't buy so-and-so a gift. She's my wife. I've known her forever. She's going to kill me. (laughs) Well, we certainly don't want you to die, sir. Um, My good friend Donna, who you've heard me talk about on this podcast and she's been interviewed on this podcast, she does um, tarot readings. We've done them on Instagram Live. I don't do tarot, but I just give advice because I'm pretty good at it. And so we've done a lot of readings on Instagram Live, and some of the live videos are saved on my Instagram. It's at Christina Hodge. Is it spelled C-H-R-I? No, 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 no. That's right. It's K-R-Y-S-T-Y-N-A. Thank you, Button. Uh, Yeah, go hit her up um, on Instagram. It's at the dot Donna's with one N, D-O-N-A-S. You can get a tarot card reading for your girl, or your boy, or your they, or your them, or yourself. Fuck it. It's a real. I think it's a really great gift, and she'll email you a little, you know, freaking gift certificate or something to send to somebody. It's such a good. I just think that's a good idea. And she's doing these vision board classes that are three hours long in January, and you get a box of shits. Well, not shit. I'm got to describe it better. You get a box of stuff. <laughs> Stuff's better than shit, right? Are you more interested? Um, to create a vision board, but she's gonna she does this deep dive of like you know how to make a good one and you know what can it be? It can really be anything you want. Um, 
And so you can get a gift certificate to those classes for somebody. I don't know. I'm just trying to give you some ideas and also help a small business. That is my friend Donna because I love her. I have been so into uh, Joe Dispenza. Man, that's my that's my current obsession uh, in terms of books uh, that I'm consuming. Other than Feeling Great by Daddy Burns. Love you, bitch. Um, Joe Dispenza. I'm going to get into that after Feel Your Feelings January. It's it's. Basically, you are magical, but he explains it scientifically because that I need to I need to I need evidence. Do you know what I mean? I, if you're like me, you need evidence. But also, if you're like me, you you have magical thinking. And it's like, you know, I think of all of these magical thoughts and then I'm like, but show me the evidence that it scientifically can happen, you know, and he does that. You can heal your body if you have a whatever. The, if you have cancer and I know that sounds crazy, but guess what? It's not. Joe Dispenza, man, he is uh, an incredible neuroscience guy. And he tells you about the power of meditation, but he shows you scientific data. Because this motherfucker is probably rich as shit from all of his best-selling books. But what he does, which is fucking brilliant is he conducts experiments. So he'll have, and he, and he collects this data from these experiments so that he can write these books and say, see, when you meditate in in a elevated emotion, which is love, or gratitude, or joy, whatever the fuck, for 10 minutes a day, your life will change because you are changing the magnetic field around your body, but that can be scientifically measured, bitch. So don't even come at me and tell me I'm full of shit because you know what I'm going to say? No, no, no. No. That's what I'll say to you. Um, and he talks about how he's the one who talks about addiction to stress. Most people are addicted to stress. And one of the studies he did was 70% of the goddamn population is living in fight or flight. So their nervous system is hardwired to do fight or flight. Everyone's nervous system is. But you're stuck there, which means you're getting these stress hormones sent to your brain. And a lot of times... You date pieces of shit or your friends with pieces of shit or your job's a piece of shit because your boss is a piece of shit because secretly you want to get a hit of that stress chemical. And I know that's a tough pill to swallow. But that's his that's that's one of the things he goes into. We're going to get into him later. But I bring this up to say I've been watching all these goddamn documentaries on cults and shit. Scientology. Yo, fuck Scientology. Scientology is the most disgusting. Oh, my God. It's so bad. That Leah Remedy documentary on Netflix, I'm so happy Netflix is like, we're going to pay you a lot of money to out these bitches at Scientology. It's the most bully. It's terrible. Scientology is so disgusting. And I want to, I want to, I want to, um, I don't know what I want to do. I just, it's gross. Anyway, maybe it's because I'm addicted to stress and that's why I watch that show. <laughs> Actually, no, I'm curious about how people tick. But anyway, I've been watching all these documentaries about cults and shit there's always sexual abuse there's rape in every cult and i'm like god damn i swear to fucking god if joe Dis- if somebody comes out and says they were sexually assaulted by joe dispenza i'm I, I can we have one guy that doesn't rape please please don't touch a titty and assault people just please the thoughts that come out of your mouth are really good and the evidence you know I'm just I'm this is me begging Joe Dispenza to never be a sexual predator he's probably not but you know what I gotta be honest too too scared to google it because I don't want to know because I like what he says (laughs) that's what it's like to be a chick guys you just live in constant anticipation of being disappointed because the author you're currently into who's a male bunch of bitches were like hey he assaulted me and I'm like god Damn it. Not God damn it to the ladies who it happened to. God damn it to the men who do it. Hey, speaking of men, let's do let's do some fuckboy theater. Okay. But we're gonna we're gonna keep it short because I got a lot of stuff I wanna say and things I wanna tell you and stories I wanna share. So we're going to do some fuckboy theater, and I'm just going to read you some prompts that James has answered in his Hinge profile, okay? Do you, are you curious what a shower thought James recently had is? Again, this is his Hinge profile. This is what the first thing he wants you to say. A shower thought I recently had. Gotta jerk off! Mm, okay. I'll brag about you to my friends if... 
You're good in the sack. One thing I'd love to know about you is, are you mentally sound? No. Fuck you, James. And then this a woman sent me a profile for a guy it's named Colonel Sanders. Colonel Sanders. Isn't that weird that Colonel is C-O-L-O-N-E-L? I'm like, all right, we get it. Let's make everything harder. Colonel Sanders. And it's of a guy. It says he's 37. Um, and he looks it. But he's got bleached hair and bleached eyebrows. He looks like Draco Malfoy. And I'm not even a Harry Potter fan. I'm surprised I knew that. Anyway, this is a bio for Colonel Sanders, 37. His occupation is Kentucky Fried Chicken. He lives in Pasadena. And one of his, his other picture is him. Oh, my God, this fucking idiot. This guy is dressed in a Colonel Sanders costume, holding a bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken and a, and a wand? Oh, he probably LARPs in the park. Anyway, here is Kentucky Fried Chicken's Colonel Sanders bio. Oh, God. We'll have a finger-licking good time together. 5'10", left-handed, two-plus years, zero-carb carnivore. Ask me about it. Divorce, no kids. Socialist-ish, nerdy, freaky, affectionate, Hufflepuff, Steelers. Oh, that's where the fucking... Oh, an idiot. No herb, all spice. Fire emoji. Hail Satan. Ooh, that one came out of left field. You, monogamous, not a vegan. <laughs> Enjoy plenty of daddy. D-A-T-Y. That probably stands for something. I don't feel like looking it up because he's not worth it. Love, adventure, nature, steak, etc. Let's have a whirlwind romance. Make out in a vat of mashed potatoes and gravy and tell everyone how me met. Fart on my chest and I'll marry you immediately. That was a no. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. That was tough boy theater. I really appreciate your support. No, thank you. I did get a BFA in acting and I'm putting it to good use. You know how your iPhone, if you have an iPhone, sometimes you'll go to look at your photos and it'll be like, you were doing this two years ago today or three years ago today. And sometimes it's like, fuck you, Apple. You know, I don't need to know that. But sometimes it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> wow, what a time. Uh, the other day I was looking through my photos because I'm organizing all of my Instagram stories as highlights on my page because I hired this social media girl and she's like, do it. And I was like, okay. So I'm going through all my stories and pulling like all the videos of Kevin and putting them into one highlight, all the videos of me and Corinne and putting them into a high. It's pretty cool. Um, so I was going through my photos to do that and I came across a photo of me and Cuba Gooding Jr. Yes, the actor, Cuba Gooding Jr. Um, and I was like, oh yeah, I forgot I hung out with him one night. I'm gonna tell him on this podcast. So I was at the Comedy Cellar um, upstairs, which is the Olive Tree Cafe. Comedy Cellar is like, you know, the coolest place in the world. And I I went there. I usually don't do this, but I went there. This was about, I would say, three or four years ago. I went there in sweatpants and a T-shirt, and I looked like shit. I don't think I had any makeup on. And I, your girl don't do that because your girl wants to look pretty and feel pretty all the time. How am I going to look pretty if I don't got no makeup? Because that's the only way I can ever look pretty. So I went to the olive tree. I guess it was like to meet someone for a second and then leave. I don't know. And I was in sweatpants, T-shirt. You know, I look like shit. I was, I mean, I'm cute all the time, but like I wasn't, I wasn't looking hot. Because when I try, oof. Get out the way, bitch. I look good. So I was not trying it, which is rare because I was at the cellar. And I don't know. I always, I just wanted, I want them to accept me. So I always want them to think I'm pretty. And I, I, I looked over to my left and I was like, is that Cooper Cutting Jr.? <laughs> yes, it is. Oh, shit. That's so funny. He was friends with one of the comics. I think it was Modi. And I saw him and I was like, oh, that's so funny. Like, haha. Okay, bye. You know, because you see a lot of names at the Comedy Cellar, a lot of famous actors and stuff in addition to comics. And... Because comedians were cool and we have cool friends. And so I was like, oh, wow, that's Cooper Gooding Jr. That's, that's pretty cool. He's a really good actor. And then about 20 minutes later, I'm sitting at a table by myself waiting for my friend. A guy who was sitting at the same table as Cooper Gooding Jr. comes over to my table. And I'm like, Ugh, what do you want? What? Because I don't look cute. You know what I mean? When a guy hits on you and you look bad, and like not in a shameful way. Like I know how I look. You know what I'm saying? And so when I go out and I'm just no effort and I look sloppy, don't fucking talk to me. You know what I mean? 
when I look hot, trust me, I know I look hot. And I, when you come up to me and you went, hey, what's up? I'm like, oh, hey, what's up? Because I, I prep for it, right? But when I look like shit and you're like, hey, what's up? I'm like, oh, fuck off. <laughs> if you're like, hey, what's up? And I look like shit, I'm like. <laughs> so one of his Cuba's friends came over and was like, hey, Cuba Gooding Jr. wants to talk to you. And I was like, and I verb- I said this, I'll never forget it because I was kind of proud of myself because usually like I love famous people but just because it's something that's really hard. It's a hard feat to accomplish. It's a rare thing. And it to me, it means you worked really fucking hard and got lucky and you're one of the lucky ones and I think that's cool. And Cuba obviously is a great actor. He's an incredible actor. So I usually I'd be like, yo, what's up? But I look like shit on purpose because I just, it was an in and out I just went there to pick something up or whatever. And his friend comes over and does that famous person thing like Cuba wants to talk. As if I was going to be like, wait, he does. But because I look like shit, I was like, why? That's what I said. I go, why? And the guy was like, I don't know. Just talk to him. I'm like, oh, God. So I got up and I, I was kind of mad. And I was like, hey, what? Your friend tells me you want to talk to me. I was sitting right over there. You could ask what's what's going on. I'm confused. And he was like, I don't know. Sit down. And I'm like, oh, God. I mean, I will. Because you're a really good actor, and I think it's cool that you're here, and I'll talk to you. And then we started talking, and I'm like, oh, shit, this guy's really cool. He's, like, funny and fun. And so we ended up, uh, another friend of mine that wasn't there to meet me, but she recognized, she's like, oh, Christina. And then she saw I was sitting with Cuba Gooding Jr., and she's like, hey, 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 Christina, what's up? I'm like, yo, get in on this, boo. I look like shit today. I was not prepared for this. Come on, you come and sit. She was looking cute. My friend Allison was looking mad cute. And then Kuba was like, hey, what's up? Oh, wow, she wears makeup. That's way better. And I'm like, yeah, he didn't say that, but that's what I thought. Anyway, we went. ended up going to a bar, and we got, but he's like, oh, let's go to this bar. I call, I'll call an Uber. And I was like, all right, hey, this is not how I plan the night, but fuck it, let's go. This is a New York night, baby. Let's hang out with Kuba Gooding Jr. for five hours. And we did. We went from bar to bar, and then I, made, I, I got drunk, and I started making up this song, and he thought it was really funny, and... Because it was funny, because I'm funny. But the, it was stupid. The song I made up, every time he called an Uber, I was like, ooh, getting in Cuba Zuba. Getting in Cuba Zuba. Get it. Get in Cuba. Good at Judy's Uber. And he was like, that's really funny. I'm like, thank you. I'm a beautiful singer. I appreciate it. And then we were just, every time we got an Uber to a new place, all of us were like, getting in Cuba Zuba. Getting in Cuba Zuba. And I was like, oh my God, I have, we have like an inside joke with Cuba Gooding Jr. That's so cool. In, with When Dreams May Come is like my favorite movie. He's been in a lot. But that was one of my favorite movies. Anyway, and then we ended up going to his hotel. He's like, oh, I'm staying at whatever the fuck hotel. And, and then we're like, okay. It was me and my friend Allison and then some other girl. Shit, I forget. I might be friends with her. Sorry, I forgot you were there. Um, and then we, um, we went to the hotel in the lobby. It was a really fancy-ass hotel. Huh. And all of a sudden, the staff pulls out a giant dining room table and chairs for us, for the four of us, to sit at this giant table. It's like the fucking table in Beauty and the Beast, where she's eating at the other end in the yellow dress, sipping the soup. And then she looks to the other end of the table and the beast going, (coughs) do you want to fuck me? It was like that table. And, uh... And we're and all of a sudden, like a chef comes out of nowhere because it's three in the morning. So a chef arrives at the hotel to make us. I I ordered the salmon, Cuba ordered the steak, and we had this like giant ass dinner at in the middle of the night. And I was like, "Is this what it's like to be famous? Holy fucking shit! This rules!" And it, we just it was a great time. And then I wanted to leave, and it seemed like Cuba was like fancy, and my friend Allison. So I was like, "Yo, girl, you can make out Cuba and Junior. That's sick. Let me know how it goes." And then I left, and I was like, "You good?" And I left, and then it was Cuba and my friend Allison. And then Allison texted me like twenty minutes later, and he was like, "She was like, <laughs> he just said he was tired and he wanted to go to bed, so I just left." And I was, we were in the lobby, and then he was like, "All right, time for me to go to bed. Good night." And I'm like, "Oh, okay." And we're like, I don't know, is he, maybe he's maybe he's like one of those celebrities that are that's secretly gay, but then you can't tell the world because for some reason, even though, you know, I don't give a flying, you be who you are, boo. Be beautiful you. If you gay, be gay. If you bi, be bi. If you transgender, be transgender. It's beautiful. Be you. But I, you know, for an actor, 
There's so many rumors about Tom Cruise is gay. Uh, uh, blah, blah, blah. That's why Scientology's got a lot of, got a, you know, got a chain to him. And uh, who else? John Travolta. There's all these rumors about all these people being gay. And I guess if you're a male actor and you're famous and you play straight parts, I, I'm guessing that the thought is, well, all these women aren't going to masturbate to you later and come to your movies if they think you're gay or if they know you're gay. Which, honestly, no, that's not true. But, you know, Hollywood, they always get women, right? <laughs> N-O, no. So, yeah, my friend, and then she just left, and she's like, I just went home. But what a night. And I was like, yeah, what a night, right? It was just like a random-ass fucking night. where We hung out with Cuba Gooding Jr. And then, oh, a lot of ladies said that they he assaulted them or sexually harassed them or sexually assaulted them. And I was like, that sucks. That sucks. That's not cool. But we were there during the night that he didn't. We really thought he was... We were like, is he gay? Maybe he's gay. I don't know. But no, there was no... He was drunk. That's what he was. But he was really sweet and fun. But that doesn't... See, here's the thing, though. Just because if somebody... I I'm a, I believe... <laughs> believe women is a, is a weird um, statement because that implies that just because you're a woman... You're telling the truth. However, statistically, if multiple people come out and say so-and-so assaulted me, you better fucking listen to them, okay? So when I read those stories, I was like, oh, shit. Wow, when we hung out with him, he was not like that at all. But you know what? I'm imagining that when you assault people, you're not going to assault people every single night. That's got to get tiring. So who knows? But uh, yeah, that, that, that photo memory popped up randomly on my iPhone. That's why I was like, I'm going to tell a story on my fucking podcast and you can suck my dick. Man, there's so many, pro- like, I don't know if you guys, I'm going a little nuts. I'm in my house too much. I don't fucking like it. Even though my apartment is incredible and amazing. It's just a lot. I'm just like, I'm sick of myself. <laughs> I got to stop looking in the mirror. Maybe that's it. Because maybe if I don't look in the mirror, I'm not just bombarded with images of myself because I have mirrors everywhere. Maybe that would help. I'm going to try that. But there's all these, I have, you know, a to-do list that's rather lengthy. But there's some things on it that I'm like, I don't think I'm ever going to do that. But I tell myself I should, which is a future callback to what we're going to be covering in Daddy Burns' book, Bitch. But my bed, for example, my bed is from West Elm, okay? That's a that's a fancy, in my opinion, store, okay? It's not Restoration Hardware. I dream of shopping there one day, but I do not have those funds. Restoration Hardware is so goddamn expensive. There will be no private chefs coming to a luxury hotel in the middle of the night to make me salmon. But if I'm with Cuba, maybe they will change their mind. But for right now, I got... I barely got West Elm money, and that's okay. <laughs> but I have a bed from West Elm, which is good quality shit. That bed creaks. I could just blow on the bed, and it'll creak. I mean, you can't have sex on that bed. I've had a lot of sex on that bed. Oh, I remember sex. Yeah, I do. How long has it been? 11 months? Yeah, no one's counting. That's fine. But that bed creaks so much, I'm like, I just, I'm never going to fix it. I'm never going to. I don't want to. I don't know how. I don't want to. The idea of fixing it makes me go, ah. So I'm just never going to do it, even though I put it on my to-do list. Am I addicted to stress? Yeah, maybe. Maybe I am. Also, just recently noticed that my Brita filter hadn't been changed in a while because there was mold growing on it. And I was like, oh, goddamn shit. If I've been drinking mold for a while, huh? I guess I've been drinking mold for a while, huh? Shit, I got to wash that. You know, when you become an adult, no one tells you certain things. Like... Hey, change your Brita filter every, how often? I don't know, still. Just, I guess when there's black mold growing on it, though. (laughs) Time to throw that one away. I didn't know you had to wash your bra. I just thought you wore it until it disintegrated or whatever. I I truly didn't know that you you had to wash your bra. (sighs) No one told me. Gonna raise my goddamn self, and I didn't do that good of a job. Well, I'm trying to raise myself now. That's the point of this goddamn podcast. Oh, I did something real fun. Um, I rented a zip car because I finally got my New York State driver's license. The picture, the picture is terrible. I want to go back in for a new picture, and I was like, Christina, that's your ego talking. Who gives a fuck? You got your license. You can rent a car now. You're not trapped. All right, fine. 
So I rented a zip car and I drove Corinne and I to uh, a mall. We we just wanted a Corinne's going through some stuff and uh, I'm always, you know, in my own head. So I'm always down for a rendezvous that makes me feel like a child. So we went to a mall called the American Dream, which what a fucking dumb name for a mall. But I get it, I guess. This mall, got to be honest, fucking rules. Okay, it ruled. I've been staying in my apartment so much. And you know what? I don't. If you go to the mall, I've certainly I don't blame you. I'd be a hypocrite if I did. But I stay at home all goddamn day and night for days and days and days. I got to go to the mall one day. I just got to or I'm going to fucking lose it. OK, I'm going to jump off a building and I don't want to do that because there's a lot of things on my to do list that I haven't done yet. And a lot of experiences I still have yet to experience. <laughs> this would be a terrible time to kill yourself, guys, though, really, because COVID's not going to be forever, okay? It's going to be for a little while longer, but you will go to a concert again. You will. So just don't do it yet. And don't do it at all, really. But I feel like the holidays um, are the are the most popular time of, of year to take your own life, according to statistics. Um, and... I can imagine that this bullshit pandemic, bullshit meaning I hate it. I mean, who loves it? Probably Amazon. This fucking pandemic is forcing us to, you know, not be social. And human beings are social creatures. We're going to go crazy. So I try and be the best citizen I can. I really do. And so for me, my own personal rules is I stay the fucking side. And then every, you know, three weeks, I got to do something. So I went to the mall. And Corinne and I found a vendor that was allowing children and adults, thank you, to pay a certain dollar a minute to ride giant stuffed animals with a wheel and a motor on them around the mall. And I was like, well, I mean, we're obviously doing this. It was so fun. It was so fucking fun. And then on the way back, Corinne found that there was a baggie of weed from the good old state of California. Shout out to California. Are you guys okay? How you doing, California? You Okay. I hope you're okay. Hey, at least you got the sun. She found a bag of weed from California. I knew it was like a medical. It was medical too. And I'm like, oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. And it was the strain was cookies and cream. No, milk and cookies. It was milk and cookies. And there was weed in the bag. And it looked like it hadn't been opened. She was like, hey, you want this weed? And I was like, goddamn right, I want this weed. Because during Feel Your Feelings January, I ain't smoking. So I want all the weed all the time right now. So I took it home and I smoked it. I was like, first of all, I went to open the bag and I was like, well, this was not actually sealed, but whatever. <laughs> no one, no one puts roofies in weed, like in bud. So I smoked it and goddamn, that's a good strain. California, get on out and get you some milk and cookies. Whew. That was delicious. It was a very good strain of weed. So uh, I, when I was g- driving Corinne back, this is the point of the story. I was driving Corinne back to her apartment and we were driving past my apartment to get to her apartment because we kind of live close-ish to each other. And so I s- pulled over on the side and dropped all my crap that I bought at the mall off at my place and then got back in the car to drive her home and then I went to drive. So anyway, when I got back in my car... Her and I went to, you know, drive her home. And I saw that right by me, there's a New York City ferry terminal and there was all these fire trucks. And I was like, qua? And uh, I looked at the Citizen app and it said that a person had fallen off the ferry. And I was like, oh, shit, that's terrible. It was really cold out. And so I went to drop Corinne off and then I went to drop the car off, which was by my apartment. And I saw that there were still all these fire trucks by, in, by the water. I'm like, oh, shit. And then I noticed an ambulance pulled up with a, you know, a bed, whatever that's called. I don't got time to look up everything, guys. One of the beds, the gurney. Did I get it right? And they were walking towards the, the ferry dock. And I was like, oh, shit. You know, your girl been getting real spiritual lately, hugging those rocks. Did I have crystals in my bra at that time? Yeah, I did. Okay. Get off my dick, dude. I did. So I went over to the river. I was right by the cops. And I saw the scuba team had just gotten into the water. I'm like, that is, it was, I was so fascinated by it. Because I was like, man. It's a dude's job to fucking put on scuba gear and dive into the East River for a dead body in the middle of winter. That is fucking wild to me. And I was just like mesmerized by it. 
And but because I have my rocks on me and I've been told I'm psychic by a lot of people and maybe I'm clairvoyant. I don't know. Maybe I could talk to spirits or whatever. I haven't done it yet, but I was like, hey, can't hurt to try, can it? So I took my rocks out of my bra and I hugged them real tight and I was standing by the river and I was like, okay, where is he? He's got to be here somewhere. And I was there for like two hours and I was like, I am so fucking cold. I got to go. Sorry, dude. I'm so sorry. So I try I try to see if I could locate him with my heart, but I could not. So, bum, 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 bum. I'm assuming that person has passed away because, whoo, that was cold water. And I'm so sorry to the friends and family of the person if you're listening and you knew him. Because you know what? You think that's a stretch? It's not. Because when I fucking got out of an Uber door in Brooklyn to go to a show and a very angry woman, very, very mad at me. Rightfully so. She smashed right into my door. And I tweeted about it because I was, I felt so uncomfortable. I felt so bad and I didn't know how to handle it. And so I handle everything humor, humor. And I tweeted about it. I didn't know this woman at all. She was like a chick my age. I didn't fucking know her. Apparently I tweeted about it. Uh, and some ambiguous woman, that unknown woman that accidentally, you know, I didn't mean to do it, but I punched her in the face with the car door. She fucking found me on Twitter. So, you know what? There might be somebody listening who is a friend or family member of that person. I'm so sorry for your loss. I really did try to locate them, but my powers aren't that good yet. Sorry, y'all. Hey, before we get into Daddy Burns, yo, you live in Georgia? Are you over 18 and do you live in Georgia? If so, January 5th. Georgia, you're up, okay? We need you again. You have saved America many times as of recent and this will not be your last but georgia oh boy thank i mean first of all you you guys get to have the pleasure of stacy abrams and keisha lance bottoms oh the mayor of atlanta i mean it's amazing so january 5th there's a senate election okay if the democrats don't uh get the senate seats there are two senate seats mitch mcconnell who's a big old fat fucking fat fuck. hate him. He's dying anyway. His hands are turning black. Like his hands are like rotting and turning brownish, greenish, poopish. It's weird. Anyway, Mitch McConnell will control the Senate if Democrats don't win this, these elections on January 5th in Georgia specifically. Um, And here's an excerpt from an article, just if you didn't know. In the southeastern state of Georgia, a political candidate in a primary or general election must earn more than 50 percent of the votes. If no one in the race meets the threshold, the top two vote getters enter into a runoff election. One runoff race features incumbent Senator David Perdue, a Republican who received 49.7 percent of the vote on November 3rd. The Democratic challenger, John Ossoff, received 47.9%. We like John better, y'all. I mean, think for yourself. Take everything I say with a grain of salt. Do your own research. The other runoff race is for a seat vacated by retiring public Republican Senator Johnny Isaacson. Senator Kelly Loeffler, a Republican who received 25.9% of the vote on November 3rd, will face the Reverend Raphael Warnock, a Democrat who received 32.9% of the vote. So Raphael was winning, but he didn't get 50% of the vote. So on January 5th, please vote them in, please. Come on, please. Do you really want to look at Mitch McConnell's fucking fuck face again more? Do you really? I don't. Republicans need to win just one of the elections to retain control of the U.S. Senate. So Democrats need both seats. Please, Georgia. Oh, please help us. Please help us. We're getting rid of... We're... <laughs> we're really draining the swamp, huh, Democrats? <laughs> Pieces of shit. All right. I don't know. I don't know what day's what. Day's what. I am recording this the day it comes out. Before it comes out. Not the day it comes out. Jesus Christ. So we're going to talk about... Uh, we're going to talk about two things today in this book, because this is the second to last episode on Daddy Burns. And then get ready for Feel Your Goddamn Feelings January, where we're going to cry. Okay, get ready to cry. So just so you know, I'm just going to repeat it. What I personally am doing for Feel Your Feelings January, if you want to participate, you're absolutely welcome to. You can make your own rules. 
Oh, and there's a truck driving by with a lot of kids in the back and blasting. That is very peculiar. There are two trucks. Oh, it's a giant sleigh ride. They're garbage trucks. Okay, guys, I kid you not. I live on a famous street in a famous city, and I've seen a lot of things. The Pope has driven by my house, but I just saw two New York City trash trucks with kids in the back blasting music and cop cars are falling. Okay, I don't know what's happening, but you know what? <laughs> We're all going crazy. Congrats on not killing yourself. I fucking mean it. Feel your feelings January. I, Christina Marie Hutchinson, am going with no weed, <laughs> no booze, and I'm weaning out cigarettes. I'm trying to trick myself into quitting smoking by saying just stop for 30 days and then if you want to smoke after, smoke after. And I, I hopefully all my, my voice will be back. Well, it's kind of coming back, but maybe it'll work, y'all. I'm just trying to trick my goddamn self. So that's what I'm doing. But if weed, if you don't think weed is a problem, if you don't feel that weed is a problem in your life or it's not something that you want a reset on, it doesn't have to be that. It can be it can be a certain diet. It could be uh, alcohol. It could be uh, heroin. Hey, that's a good thing to quit. I got to say, if you quit heroin, guarantee that's a good choice. Meth, if you quit meth, 100% you are absolutely making the right choice. So that's good news, right? But also, seriously, if you are a drug addict, this question um, is always worth repeating all the time. What does the drug give you? What good? What What does the drug give you that's really good? Think about that. If you're addicted to a drug, what does the drug make you feel that you didn't have before? Okay, we're taking a page from Gabor Matei. I've been pronouncing that motherfucker's name wrong when I mentioned him months ago, and I'm very sorry about that. I was like, Gabor Matt. <laughs> It's Gabor Mate. okay? Sorry about that, Gabor. What does that drug give you that you need? And how can you give that to yourself without it? Because you can, but your brain's a fucking bitch, y'all. And your brain's like, but I can't. Yeah, you can. So I'm going without those things. And I'm also, if you've written me a letter to my P.O. box... I have so many fucking letters that I have not responded to, and I'm so excited. I've set aside January for a lot of things, and one of them is I, I, my friend came over and helped me build this table that I got at West Elm. <sighs> Doesn't creak, so I will be having sex on it. Thank you. And um, I got it in an area of my apartment. I'm like, oh, I like this. I love changing the furniture around, but I can never do it in my apartment because it's not that big. So I got a, now I have a table to eat at, so I don't have to eat at the coffee table like a goddamn freak. And then I'm sleeping on a couch full of crumbs yet again. All my crumbs are going to be on my kitchen table because I have one now because I'm a dignified woman. But I'm going to write back. Everybody who's written me, you will get a letter back. I'm, and I'm really excited to do it. And so if you've written me, just, you'll get a letter back in January. So if you want to do Feel Your Feelings in January, you're more than welcome to. Give up something that you're scared to give up. Because maybe it means that you will be stronger once you find what that thing gives you within yourself. God, that was really well said, Christina. Thank you. All right, now let's get into Daddy Burns, baby boys. Chapter 17 is about um, another part of fortune telling uh, as it relates to anxiety. And a lot of us have this. I have this for sure. And I, and I, ever since I was introduced to the concept of being addicted to the stress hormone, I'm like, oh, shit, I really am addicted to stress. Because certain things I do, I make shit so much harder than it needs to be. And then I'm like, I'm so busy. I can't do anything. But I bring it all on myself. So I got to get a new fart machine. The second common form of fortune telling is telling yourself that you're in danger and that something terrible is about to happen. This distortion is the cause of all anxiety and fear. Here are some examples. I'm just going to read a couple Public speaking anxiety. You tell yourself that when you get in front of an audience, you're going to blow it and make a fool of yourself. I've got to be honest, guys. As somebody who has acted like a goddamn fucking idiot in front of thousands of people at one time, it's not that bad. It's kind of fun. If you're flying, oh, I had that. You tell yourself that the plane may run into turbulence and crash. That's, a, I mean... When we when I first went on tour with Corinne, she she got anxiety because I was so anxious because I would tell myself as the plane was taking off, I would this is what was in my head. I was like, oh, and we're going to die in five, four, three, two. Uh, we didn't die. OK, we're going to die now in five, four. Like, that's what I was telling myself. 
That's why I was crying when I was getting on the plane, acting like that was the last time I'd ever see my friends and fucking family. Fucking idiot. Just kidding. I, honestly, at its exposure therapies, I am so not afraid of flying anymore. I It was so bad that I couldn't walk, drive past an airport without fear, fearing for my life. Just driving past an airport on the highway. Um... Oh, this is cute. Shy bladder syndrome. I guess it's not cute if you have it. You tell yourself that if you try to pee in a public restroom, then you'll freeze up and be unable to pee. Then people will notice and judge you. Hey, spoiler alert. No one gives a flying fuck what comes out of your body, okay? As long as it's not landing on them. All right? PTSD. You tell yourself that something awful will happen, like getting trapped. Oh, like getting raped. Not trapped. Like getting raped, mugged, or attacked. uh, If you're not constantly vigilant and afraid. Uh, well, that and PTSD obviously also implies that it's happened before. And, you know, if you were raped, uh, which is one of the most traumatic forms of assault that you can experience because somebody is using your body for their own pleasure and you want to murder them. Uh, that's a tough one. Phobias. You tell yourself that the thing you fear, like cats, dogs, bees, blood, heights or lightning. <laughs> that shit all sounds really fun. Is extremely dangerous. And so those are just a couple. These distortions are always present in anxiety and neurotic worrying. Shame is another hallmark of almost every form of anxiety. This is especially true if you have social anxiety and panic attacks. You may tell yourself that you shouldn't feel that way and that there is something terribly wrong with you. In turn, you struggle to hide your anxiety because people, because uh, you're afraid people will judge you and think you're a basket case or a weirdo if they find out how insecure you feel. And hey, Houston, another spoiler alert. Copy Houston, incoming, another spoiler alert. No one gives a flying fuck about you. And I don't mean that in a harsh way. You're worried that all these motherfuckers are going to think about you in a negative way. Houston, they're not thinking about you. Get over it. And I only say that because, wow, my life would have been a lot easier if someone fucking said that to me. Tough love, bitches. It's what's for dinner. (laughs) Please don't kill yourself. If you want a cure, then I have some really good news. The prognosis for rapid and lasting recovery from anxiety is exceptionally high. However, there are two kinds of stuckness or resistance that you'll uh, have to confront if you want complete recovery. Recall from Chapter 3 that these are are, uh, called outcome resistance and process resistance. And what is the cause of pretty much all outcome resistance to anxiety? The answer is magical thinking. Sounds fun, but it's really not. This means that although you struggle with anxiety and want to get over it, which is so good, good for you, we're learning, we're growing. Thanks, Teddy Burns. A part of you may not be excited about treatment because you think your anxiety magically protects or helps you, which if you really look at the base of fear, it is a survival thing. If, an, if the zebra never had fear in its brain, then we would just continue eating that goddamn grass as the lion's like, well, I'm just going to munch on your belly. And the zebra's like, uh-oh, whoa, okay. If the zebra didn't have fear, the zebra wouldn't run for his life, okay? So it's like an animal, it's like a thing, okay? Don't feel bad about it. This becomes pretty obvious if you think about any specific type of anxiety. Um, oh, wait, no, wait. The answer, okay, magical thinking. This means you are, this is why you, you resist, you resist it. I'm going to read it again because fuck you. This means that although you are struggling with anxiety and want to get over it, a part of you may not be excited about treatment because you think your anxiety magically protects or helps you. This becomes pretty obvious if you think about any specific type of anxiety. For example, yes, give me an example, Daddy Burns. I recently treated a woman named Annie for OCD. Annie had been washing her hands 50 to 80 times a day because of her fear of contamination, and the skin on her hands was red, rough, and dry. Ooh, sexy. JK. When I asked Annie if she would push the magic button, allowing her to suddenly be cured of OCD, she had mixed feelings at best. That's because if she was cured, it would mean that she'd stop washing her hands over and over again all day long, and then her hands would would get contaminated. And she was afraid that if her hands got contaminated, then she might touch her children and they would get contaminated and then they might get leukemia and die. And that's exactly what it says in this book. And I got to say, that's not how leukemia works. 
But we digress. Perhaps you can see why Annie had mixed feelings about pressing the magic button. Her magical thinking led her to believe that her intense anxiety was keeping her children alive. Yo, Annie girl, Annie, are you okay? No, you're not. You gotta stop washing your hands, bitch. Annie, stop washing your hands. This might sound nutty, but if you're anxious, you pro- you're probably involved in magical thinking too. For example, if you've got a test anxiety, you probably think that you need the anxiety to study and perform your best on tests. And if you have a fear of heights, you tell yourself that your anxiety will keep you safe because you'll be very careful to avoid places where you might risk falling. Well, yes, actually, Daddy Burns, that is true. That is what I think. I am a little scared of heights, so fuck y'all. But what's the process uh, resistance and anxiety all about? The answer is exposure. Oof! And that's how I cured my fear of flying. I just, we toured so much that I just got, I was annoyed with flying and I could sleep on a plane. It took me three years to be able to sleep on a plane, but honestly, if you would have seen me in the airport drinking whiskeys at the bar at 11 a.m., snotting out my nose because I was like, I'm going to die today, you'd be like, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> I need a clap sound effect. Uh, exposure means that you will have to confront the thing you fear the most if you want complete recovery. If you resist and avoid exposure, then your chances of complete cure are close to zero, bitch. They're close to zero. In contrast, if you agree to confront your fears, then the chances of being cured are close to 100%, bitch. That's 100%. Now, here are three myths about exposure, okay? Three myths from Daddy Burns. Myth one, exposure is all you need. Exposure is absolutely necessary in the treatment of anxiety, but it is not a treatment per se. I always work with many techniques when I generate a recovery circle for someone with anxiety. Exposure has to be included. But for full recovery, you may need to use quite a few additional techniques. Myth number two. Exposure doesn't work. Eh, wrong. Maybe, uh, many and perhaps most people struggling with anxiety wrongly believe that they've already tried exposure. <laughs> it's because you don't want to do it, you pussy. And that exposure doesn't work. But what they really mean is that every time they're around the thing they fear, they get tremendously anxious and try to fight, control, or get away from the feared situation as fast as possible. Which is, that's what our brains are supposed to do. So don't get down on yourself for that. I'm calling you a pussy to lighten the mood, okay? I have to make myself laugh or else I'll, or else, or else I'll die. <laughs> this is not exposure therapy, but avoidance. The attempt to fight, control, or avoid the thing you fear is at the actual cause of your anxiety. It's not the cure. Exposure is quite different. You intentionally confront your fear and make yourself as anxious as possible for as long as possible. Ooh, that sounds fun. Who's horny? If you stick with the anxiety and refuse to run away, then you'll discover that your anxiety will diminish and disappear after a while. Guys, anxiety is like a goddamn tide. It comes in and then it goes out. You gotta wait for it to go out. And you gotta go, this sucks, this sucks, this sucks, this sucks. I hate this, this sucks. And then before you know it, you're like, wait. Oh my God. This doesn't suck anymore. And you cured. Myth number three, exposure is dangerous. For the most part, exposure is not dangerous. You are not too fragile to use and benefit from exposure. Okay, bitch? I say this because patients are extremely good at hypnotizing their therapists into thinking that they aren't ready for exposure or that the exposure will be too dangerous or disturbing for them. If you give in to this myth and you don't use exposure, your treatment will be doomed. You hear that, whore? I mean whore in a good way, like an empowering way. Okay, we're going to skip a lot of shit. Okay, here's a technique, that another technique. Before we leave the topic of fortune telling and anxiety, I want to share a powerful tool called the hidden emotion technique. This one's a tough pill to swallow, guys. Here's the gist of it. The vast majority of people who struggle with anxiety are exceptionally nice people. Well, thank you. I agree. In many cases, this excessive niceness is the actual cause of the anxiety. Oh. Well, Okay. So what does this mean? Sometimes people with anxiety have a really hard time expressing certain feelings. So when they get upset, they have a tendency to sweep those feelings under the rug. This feels very personal. In doing so, yeah, these feelings then come out indirectly, disguised as anxiety. Oh, shit. And people lose sight of the hidden conflict or feeling that's really bugging them. Oh, that's like definitely me. Anger is a common feeling that anxious people tend to avoid. But it's not the only feeling by a long shot. It can be any feeling you subconsciously think you're not supposed to have. 
And here's the really neat thing. If you could bring the hidden emotion to conscious awareness and express it or solve the problem you've been avoiding, then your anxiety will usually disappear completely. So it's a great technique to keep in mind when you're battling any form of anxiety. You hear that? Any form of anxiety. And then it talks about this lady, Lilia, who uh, wanted to have a second kid. So I'm just going to summarize this. She has a baby who's four and her and her husband agreed that when the baby was the kid was five, they were having another kid and she was having a lot of anxiety about it. Um, And she was but it was coming from both ways. She was worried that if she had the second baby, that the baby would be fucked up when it comes out. And then she was also worried that if she didn't have the baby and her four year old died of something, then she'd have no kids. So basically it was coming at her from both angles. And so they did the hidden. What did I call it? The hidden emotion technique. Yeah. Oh, I was right. I did read it. The hidden emotion technique to find out what was the core of the emotion. And it turned out her fucking husband never helped with that first kid. And that's really what the problem was. So, I mean, how many times in our lives, especially, and I like that he, I really like that he pointed out that nice people tend to have anxiety because a lot of times niceness isn't necessary. (laughs) Kindness is different. Niceness, think about it. Like when they say nice guys finish last, no one wants to fuck a nice guy. And I stand by that. Do I want to fuck a kind guy? You're goddamn right I do. But nice, that's a little nice to me says you are neglecting your own needs. That's really what that I I believe that that's what that means. And that's obviously what Daddy Burns is implying, too. So. But when people are like, oh, nice guys, nice guy. Well, yeah, because I, I equate a nice guy to a guy with no fucking spine. And he's just a blob on the floor. And I can't fuck a blob on the floor. Because that's all what men are good for is sex. I'm just kidding. Give me a break. But so this woman was anxious about having a second child. And she hid the fact. She pushed it deep down, probably subconsciously pushed the conflict down that she was actually upset that her husband didn't help with the first kid and it's also the other thing is too four years later now the kid's four and she hadn't said anything the entire four years it's gonna come out of nowhere all of a sudden she's like actually i've been mad this whole time that you stuck at helping me so i don't want to have this kid you know you can't really just say that so when david daddy burns did this technique with her that was really the cause of the problem is because she's she doesn't want another kid because her husband's not gonna help and then you can actually address that issue and realize that's nothing to do with the goddamn kids. Of course you're not going to want to have a second kid if your partner, who all he did was jizz in you, and now you got to carry that goddamn baby and feed it. I'm sure the miracle of birth is great or whatever, but, you know, could use a little help. So I thought that was a really interesting problem, but I didn't want to read the whole thing because I, I, I didn't want to. How can you figure what the hidden problem or feeling is? Here are some hints. It will rarely be some traumatic event that's buried in the past, although people have experienced traumatic events that still haunt them. But this phenomenon is different. The hidden feelings or problem will be buried in the present, not the past. So pay attention to that. Obviously, that woman with her, with her husband wasn't, being, you know, wasn't helping her enough. That wasn't something that happened to her when she was a little kid. Like, that was something that was in the past. Because I know with childhood trauma, I feel like people are finally talking about it as much as they should be. But not everything relates to childhood trauma, okay? Sometimes your husband's a piece of shit. (laughs) And you don't want to tell him. Or you don't know how to tell him, you know? The hidden feeling will often be an emotion you think you're not supposed to have. Like anger. But it can be any positive or negative feeling if you're sweeping... That you're sweeping under the rug... Because you think you're not supposed to feel that way. But bitch, you can feel that way all you want. So maybe she told herself, ah, I'm not supposed to be mad at my husband. He did jizz in me. That took a lot of work. (laughs) Uh, Number three, your anxiety will often be disguised, symbolic, almost poetic expression of the hidden conflict. Remember that in her anxious fantasies, Lilia was killing off her current child because she was scared that her current child would die. And that's what was making her go, well, maybe I should have a second kid. That's a weird reason. But you know what? Who cares? I don't have kids. I ain't going to say shit about that. Lilia was killing off her current child and her unborn one as well because she was giving herself anxiety over having a second kid and not having a second kid. This was her way of saying 
she was turned off by the idea of having a second baby because her husband wasn't helping out enough. I mean, and it could be, it's just, what a simple thing, you know? And I, oof, oh, you girl, hides her emotions a lot of times. You got an emotion? Let me store it for you. I'm public storage for your feelings. I'm so good at finding a hot spot, hiding spot for your feeling. You won't find it for a long ass time. If you discover that the hidden conflict involves a relationship problem of some sort, then you can use the relationship journal, as I did with Lilia. I've provided a blank template at the end of this chapter that you can use, and I'm looking at it right now, but you can't see it because it's a podcast. And remember, if you're struggling with anxiety, the first step is to reduce your own outcome and process resistance. You can overcome your outcome resistance by listing all the ways your anxiety is helping you and protecting you. Remember that woman whose daughter got shot in the face and she had to write a list of all the good things it says about her that she's terrified and lives in fear and depression that her daughter got shot in the face. She cares about being a good mom. That's one of them. She cares about the safety and well-being of her child. So write down some good things that this uh, that having this anxiety give, says about you. Um, you can overcome your outcome resistance by listing all the ways your anxiety is helping you and protecting you as well as what it shows about you that's positive and awesome. And you can overcome your process resistance by facing the thing you fear the most and allowing yourself to be flooded with anxiety until it disappears. Feelings ain't facts, but anxiety is a wave. That's what you'll probably resist the most because exposure is so frightening. Well, I know, okay? There are many techniques to overcoming anxiety in addition to those described in this chapter. If you want to take a deeper dive into this topic, I recommend my book, When Panic Attacks. You'll learn about many additional techniques to come o- uh, to overcome every conceivable type of anxiety. So, I'm just looking at this goddamn relationship journal. And the last thing I want to say, it's a really good one. Again, you got to get this book, though, if you want to look at it, because I ain't reading this whole thing. Um, and then there's a checklist about what good communication looks like and what bad communication looks like. And the acronym he uses is EAR, E-A-R. Good communication includes empathy. A good example of empathy, you acknowledge the other person's feelings and find something true in what he or she said. And guys, spoiler alert, if you find something true in what the other person says, even if you hate the other person, it's okay. You know, you want everybody to stop yelling? Find the truth in what this person's yelling at you for. Bad communication, you ignore the other person's feelings or argue and insist he or she is wrong. I've done that a bunch. Good communication, you got to be assertive. You express your feelings openly and directly, but in bad communication, you fail to express your feelings or express them aggressively. Almost slap you in the face, bitch, or something like that. And then respect. That's included in good communication. Your attitude is respectful and caring. In bad communication is when your attitude is not respectful or caring. I mean, (laughs) don't have to tell me twice. (laughs) Guys, I love you. Congrats on not killing yourself. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I kept it under an hour and God damn it, what a day, you know? One more episode of this book. And then we're getting ready to feel your feelings. Subscribe to my Feel Your Feelings January playlist on Spotify. My username is Christina Hutch, but you can just type in Feel Your Feelings January. Please, please, if you want to give me a Christmas present or a holiday present, it's for free. Can you rate and and review the voices in our heads on iTunes and give it a five-star review? I'm not going to ask you a lot because it feels weird. But I don't feel weird asking you now. So please, for the love of Christ, if you're in Georgia... And you're over 18, fucking vote January 5th. And if you're listening to this, which you are, because you are, please give me a five-star review on iTunes. Thank you. God bless. Happy holidays. I'll talk to you next Wednesday. Life is French toast to me. If you wait too long, it gets black and weak. You're the spy that's good, but we can hurt all the way from blue. Barrels of light from the sky to your seat, on your feet, through your hair today.
Sustainability, impossibility, what the fuck is happening? 